Evan here with Rob for the Concordia Training Podcast, where we chat about what we've learned the hard way in fitness and wellness so you don't have to. Templates are as easy to mismanage as they are ubiquitous, yet they provide structure to otherwise aimless training at a cost of lower time and money than individualized programming. This week, Rob and I work through a difference of opinions on their roles, common foibles, and how they do and don't benefit the trainees guided by their prescriptions. Please enjoy. All right. Evan thinks you can work out for six weeks and be stronger forever. Evan, in fact, does. He's not claiming it's going to be life-changing amounts of strength, but he absolutely is looking on his own, especially if we're talking uh, early training age athletes where you get those beginner gains hard and fast. I personally experienced going through templates. This is kind of what we're talking about. These sort of like, you have four weeks on a template. Will you see any improvements? Evan says... A template might not be the most effective way to get improvements, but you should, given that you're stimulating your body to adapt to increased athletic demands, you're either going to see more muscle volume or better connections between your brain and your muscles, asking them to recruit. And those feel permanent. Although I know there's this whole like peaking element in, in serious programming. And I guess you're contending that this is all peaking. Yep. Okay. So that that's blowing my mind a little bit and I feel a little grumpy about it. And I, I don't really, <laughs> I would, yeah, let's, let's, you have, you got to convince me. Sure. You're a flat earther right now. And we're just going to talk about facts for the rest of this time. So what you're talking about is most templates that exist in strength and conditioning are in that, like between four and probably 12 week block um, because they know that compliance will be very, very high up to about 90 days. If someone is motivated enough, pretty much anybody can like self-loathing themselves through 90 days worth of training on a block periodization type thing that seems super logical, right? You're like, I'm going to do five of these and three of those and then ones and I'm a strong boy. Like it's super simple. It basically just progresses till you're doing heavier shit. And then you're like, yep, it worked. Yeah. Yeah. So here's my rebuttal. No, because <laughs> <laughs> just leave it there, please. <laughs> yeah. You, the reason you think that it worked is because you not only did programs that have like super sought out mesos, like, or so a meso is a cycle that is in like a medium length, essentially. Right. So you're talking like four to eight week meso makes up part of a macro cycle. Right. So you had a program which deserves the credit for planning out this way. It has a prep cycle. Like it has a, okay, get ready for this thing that you're about to do where the volume is higher and you do a little bit more bodybuilding style stuff. So your body can acclimate to doing more. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great idea. That's kind of the idea of GPP training or like most of the training you would do in a decent um, CrossFit gym anyway, or any functional fitness gym that actually knows what they're talking about, you would most mostly build your base so that when you decide to pick a discipline, you could improve from there. Um, and that's kind of the idea of being fit for life, all that nonsense. But what we're talking about specifically is you hop on the internet, you're like, I did bad in the CrossFit open because 
I don't have pull-ups. So you like look up a pull-up program and it's like 30 days, 60 days, 90 days to your best pull-up ever, right? You are more than likely going to improve if you survive, Mm. which is great. If you have high adherence and compliance, then sure, you'll get better at the thing. The argument is for how long they're in the category of a super compensation program, which I said a thousand times before we started this, which prompted us to have this dispute. Basically, you do so much work that's new that your body is forced to make an adaptation, but it's, a not, it's not a permanent adaptation because it hasn't been long enough. And because you spend so much time and energy doing it, the adaptation actually removes overall fitness so that you can do that one thing or those like couple things. This just doesn't jive with everything else I've learned about training because from my perspective and also you're, you're picking an avatar of a person like you're saying there's a person who's doing crossfit presumably they're at least an intermediate training aged athlete so they've been training for like three to five years i would assume is that kind of ballpark no i think most of the people who are going to do a template are either lifetime intermediates and they are those three to forever athletes who just do this kind of stuff and bounce around nonsensically or realistically we're talking about a person who's like rounding out the six month to 18 month mark where they're like oh like i do kind of like this i'm gonna focus on this one thing i feel is a hole in my game right so pull-ups not a massively skill-based movement but aside from just practicing the movement more with a focus on it in like a template like that where you have a ton of pull-ups yeah like that that should be a permanent improvement like you learn how to ride a bicycle in the same sense like now you just know how to move a little bit more efficiently in the movement or better to your body structure. The other thing is like, you are telling your body that this is a movement that it needs to be able to support. And while it might make some temporary arrangements to support that, yeah, like there's gonna be at least a little bit of a base improvement of now you're, you can do more pull-ups because your lats have developed in either volume or neural connection to recruit better. I'm not saying that nothing happens. I'm just saying that okay. they're a waste of time. <laughs> uh, so yes, you are going to make changes, especially on things you've never done before. You're going to develop some level of skill acquisition because you're just doing it all the time. Like you're right. saying, there's going to be a better connection from your brain to your muscles. Yes. You're doing the thing all the time. However, as someone who took Spanish half of a year, four times, I know no Spanish. And this is the same <laughs> exact thing. If I had taken Spanish for 20 minutes every week since then, I would know way more Spanish than the two hours a week of Spanish that I took intermittently. This is the same exact conversation. You're not doing enough consistent work to force a permanent adaptation. So yes, you will. Like I took tests. I passed those classes. Yeah. I don't know anything. No, but here's, here's my attitude towards that. And this is kind of what I've been doing with quarantine too. It's like, I definitely backslid in some regards or just worked really hard to maintain, but it's like, I feel like the distance between where I'm at now and where I might've peaked at is a, is a distance I can traverse more easily now. Sure. But that you just completely smashed your own point. You didn't run a single cycle the whole time. You just did consistent work 
especially on things you were bad at for a year. That is the yeah. exact opposite of what this argument is. No. You just told me that a six to 12 week program no, 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 would no, make no, permanent no. changes. What you did on the other hand was GPP for a year, a whole 52 weeks, realistically okay. 50 good weeks. <laughs> but what I'm saying is I used to be able to deadlift more than I can presumably deadlift now because it's not a movement that's come up in my training because it's hard to deadlift when you only have a couple dumbbells. Yeah. And that max, my best lifetime PR deadlift is something that I am confident I can overcome, but not by doing GPP work. Like if I hopped on a template that was like, here's a 12 week, I'm going to make you a big, strong powerlifter deadlifty guy. Sure. I'm pretty sure like at the end of it, I'll have passed my lifetime PR of deadlifting. I will yeah. definitely be pretty worn out by that time because it's a lot of load that I have to subject myself to. However, I also think on the back of it, after the peak is faded and my body's like, what the fuck, man, let's have some recovery. And I chill out for a while. Mm -hmm. I will have a higher deadlift than I do right now. Um, maybe. And context, I haven't allowed Evan to do a deadlift strength cycle since 2000. <laughs> like, Don't think Evan hasn't noticed. <laughs> spring of 2019 or something. Like it's been years. And the reason that he feels this way is because when he was a little baby noob, he did a couple templates and pulled some pretty good numbers. So my argument is it's about longevity and you did well because you had a GPP base and then you progressed into templates and you did a decent job of backing off when necessary, but you also never gave up. The thing that happens, especially for CrossFitters, like as we apply that, like when you talk about sports where like powerlifting and weightlifting, Templates are more popular because there's very little variance. And as long as you continue doing the things in general, if you don't get hurt, you should be okay. When you talk about crossfitters and someone goes, oh, the open didn't go so hot because I'm no good at this. Like, and then you focus on that one thing. Sure, you'll get better at it. But when you're talking about something that has 65 movements, the key is to continue doing all of the things with light touches. And then yes, focus more on your weaknesses. But sport specificity, as we're saying, kind of in all these examples is the key. And I can speak from that from multiple angles at this point. I've run a super total program. So snatch, clean and jerk, squat, bench, dead, expecting to get stronger in CrossFit. That didn't work. Um, I got stronger, hit PRs on most of those things and continued not to be any better at CrossFit. So that was a waste of 12 weeks. And then... I've that, done. I, I feel like what you did is you you expanded your base though for the ability for you to like cultivate better CrossFit strength because like while you weren't training CrossFit specific sport activities, you still have more to work with now because you did a strength cycle, right? So it's not the same sport, but like shouldn't it be a complementary activity for that? It's better than not working out for twelve weeks, but it's not better than consistently working on what you actually need to and whenever you peak for something there's going to be downtime on top of that yes a 12-week cycle a 16-week cycle is way better than a four-week peaking that's why when you see people do small up junior they almost always get hurt is because it's like okay we're ramping this thing up 100 miles an hour you don't even have your driver's permit like let's just do this like that's the the big no-no the thing that i'm trying to point out is the more time you have 
the longer thought out progression these things are, the better. And there's a reason why companies like OPEX plan a mixed modal athlete season on like 12, 18, and 24 month periods is so that you have time to experience everything you need to experience for your sport. If you go through something and you're like, example, I am still a back dominant, like strength to leg, like back strength to leg strength ratio athlete, as are you. It's not uncommon for Americans to be that way. If I did a leg strength focused program for eight weeks, and I was like, okay, cool. My legs are stronger than ever. I can get back to CrossFit now. I might make most of the gains that I'm going to make for the entire off season of CrossFit that's about to start for most people in the next eight weeks, but have made no progress anywhere else and have to play catch up on all the other things. And on top of that, most coaches will acknowledge when you finish a squat program, you should spend, or any program, you should spend equal amounts of time or at least half the amount of time going back through a maintenance phase so that you can acclimate to that new change and not get hurt, right? So say you run a six-week strength program for squats. You should spend at least three weeks not really squatting heavy and doing GPP stuff while still doing the squat pattern, but not in a way that is very hard whatsoever. So are you saying that like, if you come back to CrossFit training and your legs are a lot stronger, you have to slowly reintroduce the CrossFit sport movements because you might injure yourself because you're stronger? No, I, you wish. <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying is you've spent so much time doing that movement that the entire point of that program was for you to hit a PR at the end of that program, which is super short term. And so you probably did, or you've done enough damage on the way to create change. That's how they work, right? Is like, this is crazy heavy. I feel tired. My whatever, my legs are just shot all the time. You obviously want to keep that pattern going so that you can have it in the future. But what, like, what most people do is they do a six-week squat program. And they're like, I just don't feel up to squatting like at all. Like they're like, I can't really squat heavy right now. Like everything's kind of messed up. And then you whatever you don't do it as often or as frequently or you genuinely got a small injury and then you try to recoup all your other skills because you spent an hour squatting two or three times a week and you made no major headway especially in a sport that doesn't compete in the squat right like it works better for powerlifting because someone can do a squat program and then do a bench more specific focus right after that and only do squat as like an accessory and like they'll be fine what happens in a sport with all these movements is that you have to use your legs elsewhere. And unless you're someone who's willing to do low impact exercise all the time, you might not just recover from it. And you also, it's just not enough time to make a lasting change unless you're in your teens and living a relatively low stress life. You're not going to get enough of a boost from one cycle to really toot anybody's horn or tell your grandkids about like, I'm not going to do eight weeks of back squats and then be like, well, you know, grandson, the one time I added 120 pounds to my squat in eight weeks, like unless I'm adding 40 pounds to big old Robbie, I don't think I'm going to add much more than a couple percent points in a couple months. So let me try and talk this back to you. See yeah. if I'm on the same page here. Cause I, I have always subscribed to the fact that templates were a legitimate training protocol However, they are not 
your optimal training protocol, which would come from an experienced coach helping you out, or if you're experienced to programming, personalized for you against the activity that you want to be measured by, right? So like templates are like, uh, I don't know what to do in the gym. I don't want to think about it. I'm just going to do this, or I don't want to involve a coach, pay for that experience, et cetera. So templates, I had always understood that they were a little bit like a sawtooth pattern where you have these peaks and valleys, but overall, if you connect the dots of where you started at, and then you do enough of these peaks and valleys, like you have a nice saw blade and, and like 10 templates down the road, the other dot you're connecting to is still improved across the board. But the slope of that line is not going to be as high, nor is like your destination, like how good you were through your training. If like you did three years of templates, you've improved, I don't know, say like you came to the gym and you could do like a, a barbell bench press. And after 10 or three years of template programming, you made it to like three plates or something, 315 if you're a big boy, I guess. And alternatively, that's the sawtooth pattern, which maybe the 315 came at the peak of the last template. And after that, like you're kind of back to like maybe 260 bench press. Alternatively, you could have done three years of this is the tortoise and hare analogy where Rob comes in and he starts hitting you over the head with the frying pan, telling you you're stupid for doing bad small off training and gives you better GPP and all that is the point that at the end of this, you are like, instead like a 500 pound bench presser because you did things the right way and more like slowly or how's this sounding to you so far? Is this cause like in my head, I'm seeing the journey of progress does exist through templates but it's a lot more ups and downs. Maybe three places, not where you end up. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, well, there's a lot of variables. And the thing about templates is that they treat you as a zero or a one. Like, did you progress and do the thing that it says on the template? Yes or no. And I usually, most people in my experience have a really hard time taking 5% off on a day they know that they should, or they basically the problem I have with templates is that even if theoretically a person is an absolute like blue collar grinder and they're going to do all of that kind of stuff, the issue that arises is the template is not considerate of your feelings or your schedule, right? You have a bad night of sleep, template still says the same thing. You have a bad month of work, template still says the same thing. And then what happens is you get addicted to the progress and you chase the weights over the technique you also have no technique feedback, right? Unless you're doing that on your own. The issue is when people really think that the data that is exactly what it is, a template or like a recipe fits everybody. It's like if I sent you into the kitchen and I was like, go make chocolate chip cookies, but halfway through the oven turned off for 20 minutes and like I dumped a bunch of extra sugar in them and you were like, that's life now. Like those are the cookies that we're going to get. Like, like the, it doesn't account for variables in your real life. And yes, theoretically, if you could string together templates completely injury-free and you were able to like hit that realization phase at the end of them, then yeah, you would get better. It's not like they're not inherently evil. They don't factor in like real people and they're all based on always PRing at the end, which is great and fun. But if you That's do good marketing for the template to for sure. And if you do a four week one, 
it's too short. Like I would way rather someone be like, yeah, I'm following this 12 or 16 week program because the program allows for like ramping up and ramping down in a smart way. I mean, not every template's created equal for sure. I think I saw some of the, the better ones like Chad Leslie Smith made the juggernaut template, which I think is 16 weeks, something like that. Yeah. And I, I guess what you said is good that I was overlooking, which is like the Sotsu's progress journey is still a happy story that may not be so common for following and stringing together templates where it's more common that people have the, the whatever the month is um, churn where they stop exercising because it's too much. Like it's just, it's unsustainable. And then obviously progress is shot. Right. Um, so I guess it's like, it's different if we're looking at a single template run, are you better after it? You're gonna have to recover probably. And it's gonna be tough to see yourself slide down from a peak of right. strength but you probably are a little bit better but then doing that multiple times i i would guess that the succession of every new opportunity to overstress you and you're not if you're following a template you're making assumptions around how successful it'll be for you you're not managing your own stress with it you're not managing like what if i have to miss a day or i'm traveling I, I could see how that's getting you in more trouble. And especially any case that results in burnout, like you will presumably lose a ton of progress. Otherwise, I've been saying like, hopefully the journey back to where you were is easier the next time. Yeah, and it's really, as you accidentally hit it too super early on, it's all about how consistently you're doing it. So if you can kind of finish a cycle, restart in a really mature way, understand that everything has ebbs and flows, and especially a cycle that's designed on peaking to like a mock meet or like a real meet, know that there has to be some form of off season, even yeah. if it's like 10 days, the trouble is like, you hear people are like, oh, I stacked two Russian squat programs back to back. And like, I hit yeah. a lifetime PR. It was like a 10% increase or something like, oh, that's awesome. Like how have things been since like, oh man, my hip and like, yeah. <laughs> because you start chasing, you're like, oh, it's working, it's working, it's working. You don't realize maybe your movement quality has gone down or maybe you have some weird internal rotation or you don't realize like how much caffeine you're drinking to make this happen because you're just addicted to that progress. I definitely, so my own experience on templates, and I, I get where you're saying, like, I think maybe I did handle my own journey on templates in a rare fashion of success where I often cut out activities like peaking. I wasn't really interested in that. And it was more about like rotating between volume and strength blocks uh, and doing a lot of auto-regulation, which some templates do a better job of promoting than others. So perhaps that's why I have a, a better assessment of templates. Like I know they're imperfect and I still nearly burnt out doing some of these things. Uh, but I was, I was doing a decent job at coaching myself through them, I think. Yeah. Whereas I could definitely see how a lot of the, the memers who are like, today's a one rep max test day, right? Like every week, uh, templates could be harmful to them. Although I, for me, it's always like, I attribute my beginner gains to my experience going through templates because that's where I was at during them. And I did permanently increase my strength in a lot of ways, thanks to that. Although, as you point out, even me being responsible with my template stacking, I was having <laughs> some bad pains in my body 
and injuring myself during some lifts. Yeah. And you had movement patterns that we, I mean, we've interrupted massively by the pandemic, but we've put nearly 40 weeks into mostly fixing your movement patterns. Like, no, it's not, you're not doing everything unweighted and like all sorts of super boring stuff, but we haven't really, really been like, okay, we're clear for launch. Let's super push strength yet. And that, I mean, that's, that comes with the course. You didn't, I, I am losing my mind waiting for that day, by the way, <laughs> for sure. You didn't move. This is the craziest thing too. You didn't move poorly enough for coaches to be like, Oh, like that guy's going to get hurt most days, but you were moving in a way that built an artificial glass ceiling for you. Like for you to progress and have a 10% increase on your squat bench dead is going to take especially before it was going to take much more technique work than it was just strength work. Cause it was like, okay, sure. He, he can increase these numbers by maybe five to 10%. But after that, there's no way he's pulling more the way he's pulling right now, or there's no way he's going to squat more the way he's squatting right now. However, your bench, fantastic. No complaints per usual. I gotta say though, like you look at people who pull asinine amounts and I don't know if we're talking too much powerlifting because this is where my brain goes yeah. in strength sports, like because we're nominally more a CrossFit discussion podcast right now. And you look at these guys who are deadlifting the like 800 plus. Some of them do have really cool form. Like I think a lot of the really professional strongmen do have a way very like a super sustainable looking deadlift. Like they know how to move well. Yeah. Maybe that's why they're the best of the best. But there's a decent cadre of people who are kind of <laughs> they look like they're snapping they're, they're they're doing like the scared cat deadlift yeah um, i mean but they still might have like 600 pounds and you're just like I, I, they're probably not gonna be around in a year or two but yep and the thing you just said they're not the best already and how long are they gonna exist the same thing relating it back to functional fitness happens in the same exact context a bunch of people that are pretty darn good. Like people make it to the pro level. People make it to the CrossFit games. They get sponsorships, they get money. They don't always move perfect. But when you look at the people who consistently are in the top 10 or taking home like a legitimate pro athlete's earnings, they move really, really well. And then when you talk about even in your gym, if you look around in your gym, regardless of the modality, the person who is making progress year in and year out moves pretty darn good because they don't spend any time hurt because it's really hard to train when you got a boo-boo. That's fair. And I, and I think about people that I know, like I'm fortunate enough that I have like not had any major injuries. I've just had like life stuff happen. And then I didn't do enough sports specific stuff this year. And I'm aware of that. However, I feel fine, which I'm super yeah. happy about. There are plenty of people who are, yes, they're better than me at CrossFit. But if you're like, how much longer can you do this? They're like, dude, I don't know. Like <laughs> maybe a year. And I'm like, oh, that's crazy. Cause I'm planning on peaking in like five or six. Oh man. I guess it might, I'm exploring more why I'm defending templates more vehemently than you. Yeah. And I think it just comes down to the same sort of like chomping at the bit, like you are setting me up for long-term success. Like if I ever want to see the light of day past like 600 pounds of deadlifting, 
I know it's going to have to be done this way instead of like, because it's very much like, I want to go all gas, no brakes, which is what templates kind of are. Right. It's like, you want to accelerate. All right. You're not going to have very good steering traction when that wall comes up. You yeah. need to turn. <laughs> so you, you deserve credit for the things that you did on your own. You kind of, we didn't touch on them as much as we probably should have. You didn't always max out. Like if you didn't feel up to it, you're like, oh, I'm going to skip like the peaking two weeks. Like, I don't feel like it's necessary. Like it usually aligned with you having high stress stuff from your academics as well. Like that's a super respectable thing. Cause you knew you were stronger and you could have seen like the most weight, right? Like a, a heavy single is like, yes, finally. And like you yeah. had moments where you didn't do them cause you knew it probably wouldn't go great. Like that's the major pitfall of so many of these things is like, it's the whole concept of like, we're trying to get as much possible done in 12 weeks. And yeah. there's so many cliche things about it, but I mean, you deserve the credit for skipping those when they're not necessary, auto-regulating when necessary. Like, yeah, I don't really feel super great today. I'm not going to like hammer this. Maybe I'll take off five or 10 pounds or like whatever percentage is appropriate for whatever you were doing. Cause yeah. at the end of the day, we've talked about it a bunch. You only have to do more than your body's used to. And I don't know about you. I don't like build houses and carry shit everywhere all day long. Like I train a pretty normal amount. So when I go and train, my body's like, yep, this isn't what we normally do. Like this is pretty hard. <laughs> well, what's your experience with templates actually? That's enough, enough about me, I think. Yeah, um, I had a super normal, I think functional fitness CrossFitter experience with them. I did regular group class. Yeah, are, you, are, are group classes considered templates because they kind of are right it's i would yeah i would say they they are like the way they're written of course is template like you're delivering it to dozens or hundreds of people um but the beauty of a good crossfit gym is that the coach will change it because they should actually know and care about you so like you have that regulation granted it's not technically auto regulation but you have a person being like no no like that's not truly appropriate or you just told me this is happening like we'll make it work for you today but like the theme is for everybody to go through this gpp stuff whatever here's how they'll help you um but yes it's it's template that's kind of curated which is something that's highly sustainable and you can see a lot of progress with however depending on your background and the things you kind of tend to enjoy, eventually you'll develop holes, especially if you're like talking about moving up from being like a beginner or an intermediate to wanting to be more competitive or like even kind of that like true intermediate to like semi-pro level takes some true practice. You can't just like only do things that are fun all the time. Um, but in my example, in my experience, I was always the more like slightly enduring and interested in skill athlete, like my whole life. So coming into CrossFit, the same thing happened. I got really excited to like learn all the moves, but I wasn't necessarily super strong and I wasn't necessarily incredibly conditioned. So I've tried both. Like I've tried doing strength templates, which is nice because you hit a PR, right? Like I've done like a super total program. So yeah. that was fun. I think that was 12 weeks. I hit, PRs on those, but then it took me, I think the joke was with you something like a thousand days before I hit PRs on yeah. those things again, while still doing CrossFit. So like when you remove the specificity of those things, my strength reserve wasn't high enough. I didn't continue to squat more weight. I didn't continue to deadlift more weight. 
I just got a little better for 12 weeks and I was like, oh crud, like I'm not good at CrossFit. I need to go do my CrossFit stuff again, like catch back up because that's the thing that I do. And then I've also done a deadlift program. That was just deadlifting. That was awesome because my deadlift went up like a bunch, almost 10%. But then I haven't pulled that <laughs> two years, two and a half years. Fortunately, didn't get hurt on that one. So that was cool. Heavy deadlifts don't really factor into CrossFit, right? So not crazy heavy. And like, again, it's more about the consistency, doing it a couple of times a week, incredibly heavy, and then not feeling motivated to do it for a couple of years doesn't help. Yeah. And then I worked on endurance a lot and I'm way more enduring. I can do way more in a day, but, uh, CrossFit scores aren't too good right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's I am surprised by a sport that claims the title of functional fitness, how specific unto itself it is. Yeah, it's a major critique. Yeah, I guess more of our discussion there is in the forbidden episode at this point. Um, yeah, sad. All right, so templates, super compensating. You want to talk us through what exactly is happening with supercompensation because to me like all i know is your body's redlining and it's like i don't know what physically it's doing maybe it's like i'm gonna start gobbling up your well what reserves would it even be doing yeah we can talk about it um so basically when you do something hyper specific like that you have a major focus or you go through a peaking block what you're doing is dedicating literally more time and energy to it. Um, so you're just spending more time on it more likely. And it's like a high priority movement. So you're probably doing it off after a rest day or you're doing it after or before any of the other components of your workout. So you switch when it happens, right? So like if you wanted to be the best at pull-ups, you do them before everything else. It's when you have the most energy, right? You do them the day after your rest day because theoretically you're feeling the best. Um, that is a one way of focusing on them. You also just way bump up the volume or way bump up the intensity or both. And what's actually happening is that your body is becoming used to that pattern because of its frequency. Uh, a good analogy I like to tell people is like, if you started writing with your non-dominant hand for four to 12 weeks, like you'd get so much better at writing with your non-dominant hand because you just increase the frequency. Right. Right. However, writing with your non-dominant hand, not super stressful, trying to pick up the heaviest thing you've ever picked up or trying to move your own body weight up and down on a pull-up bar, like with the heaviest weight or the most repetitions you've ever done. We're talking about massive, massive tissues, right? Deadlifting most of your body pull-ups, most of your back, like highly fatiguing, highly damaging because of the intensity and effort you're bringing to it it's not sustainable. And that's what creates that change is like, this is a lot. And your body's like, this is a lot. I got to make a change fast. So yeah, maybe you do put on more muscle mass. If you're doing high volume, maybe a little bit for sure. But most of the change is neurological. Your brain is like, we're doing this all the time. I'm getting pretty good at activating the tissue in the way that this person is doing it. You just get more efficient with the way that you are currently doing it. Right. So I fully believe like you're not making a whole lot of physical adaptations outside of the mind muscle connection. Yeah. And then the stress seems to come from 
it's it does feel like a neural fatigue anyone who's done like an excessive amount of heavy strength programming crossfit presumably too gets into this you'll you'll know what we talk about when we say like a neural fatigue instead of like a muscular body fatigue like you feel so fried you, you kind of just have to lay on the couch even if like you have the physical energy to do something you don't have to actually be sore in your tissues to feel like you unrack a barbell and it feels heavy or like yeah. you, you hang from the pull-up bar and like, you're just like, Oh, this is, I'm feeling super heavy today. Like you don't have to necessarily have joint or muscular pain to not have a really fresh central nervous system. Um, and that again is coming with like, you have a perfect storm of low life stress. You're getting your sleep, you're eating really well. Like you're doing all your other supporting habits in a way that would allow you to follow the template as planned. Um, you just get to a place where your body is like, we've been doing this. It seems really important. Like we keep caffeinating and really trying to drive this point home. I'm going to try to make it work for right now. Right. Do we know the chemical reason for why your body sort of builds up this fatigue neurally? Like, is it or neurologically, I guess. Yeah. Is it inflammation of the nerve well fatigue it... doesn't have to be just um from well i guess it's still a byproduct like the neuromuscular junction still functions in a way that can fatigue but as you send like electrical signals and certain i would assume it's a hormone like whatever the whatever is actually occurring in that synapse or every time you cross a synapse because you're telling a muscle to fire those can get tired and that happens when people practice new skills. So like when you practice a new skill, something that you don't even have a base for at all, you literally, you'll get tired of the skill before your muscles get tired. If you have like a muscular base example, when people learn handstands, like once you can kick up to the wall and your shoulders have the strength to hold you, you'll get literally, you'll mess up like kicking up to the wall or you'll mess up your balance before you mess up the other stuff because your brain is literally tired of thinking handstand because it hasn't done it enough. I get that for sure, actually. That, and something that I noticed too, is like when you're trying to build a new skill, like I was going skiing recently and there, I was with someone who had never skied before. Like the, the advice you get when learning any new skill, especially like skiing is end your day before you're too tired and you start practicing bad habits mm -hmm. it's, it's, I, it makes a lot of sense your brain is like literally it's like can we stop thinking ski or handstand or turn or like pizza pizza french fries pizza, yeah that's the french fry one. <laughs> <laughs> we stop thinking this i'm tired of thinking this i need a break from thinking this it's it's pretty fun yeah and skill acquisition is like that and that is probably another topic for another day when we talk about like how to uh we could do it we could do it real quick it's important here the issue also, I guess the segue is people dive too deep into their weaknesses instead of introducing them the way you just explained. So when we talk about acquiring new skills, especially in physical culture, I mean, it applies everywhere. There's different steps. And we literally just laid this out for something that we're going to release for everybody pretty soon. But the first step, as you're saying, is like, have fun, do it in a way that's not measured. So like when it's skiing, call it a day before you want to call it a day or it's like, or before you're too sore in the gym, it's stop the movement or have fun with the movement, like play, 
like think little kid like haha i'm gonna do a handstand like and like you do <laughs> handstands until you're like i don't want to do handstands anymore and then you just stop doing them yeah right so step one is play practice step two is set a low level volume goal so for that same handstand person it's like kick up to the wall 10 times today right so it's like it's a number you know you can do it's a number that doesn't feel massively stressful but at the same time you have to earn it so like yeah. if they've only ever kicked up to the wall whatever an average day is like between five and 20 times a number like 10 or 12 is perfect because they're like okay i know i can i'm gonna have to earn the last couple mm -hmm. right so pick an achievable volume number that still takes a little bit of work that number will keep going up usually in crossfit once you can do like 120 of anything you're like okay i'm good like i can do it there's no time constraints there's no extra weight you're not racing anybody none of that stuff once you've built up functional volume then we talk about okay it's crossfit has to be on the clock so then you have to start implementing it like every two minutes every 90 seconds every 60 seconds i'm going to do the thing it's like a very new age training philosophy I gotta say the whole like keep it fun. And I I mean, I agree with it, but it contrasts with what I think of when I think of more disciplinary training styles, like stereotypically maybe the military is the whole like do it till you barf. Sure. Or there's like, I'm also thinking of like maybe Shaolin monks. I don't actually know how they train, but they feel like they're the ones who are like punch this concrete wall past the point your hand is bleeding and then keep doing it more. Oh, I don't know. I feel like we should we should know more about those things. But for LEOs and military personnel, the injury rate is offensive. Um, the self-harm rates are offensive. The substance abuse rates are offensive. So hopefully we don't model too much after their ideas. And on top of that, when I talk to LEOs or military per personnel, when I say like, how do you feel about burpees or running? They're like, disgusting never again absolutely hate them like i'd rather literally go on the worst call of my day than do those things it's because of that introduction it's like the how they treat the people on the biggest loser introduction to fitness it's like oh really you want to do some running day one half marathon <laughs> <laughs> do you really that's so mean <laughs> And not on that show. That's literally what the military does, though. It's like, oh, we have a fitness test coming up. Uh, okay, cool. 4.30 a.m. alarm. We're running five miles in full fatigue. And everyone's like, like, that's yeah. not the approach we want to take here, especially if someone wants to actually improve. So you get to that place where you're doing things on a timer. Right now, we've had three unique steps. Then and only then do you mix it in with other stuff. Right. So you mix it in with other stuff with a really, really relaxed timer and you mix it in with other movements, you know, you're already good at or take no skill. Handstand example, if you're kicking up to the wall. You've done that. You can now do it on the minute, blah, blah, blah. You can do it every 30 seconds if you want to. Step four, you mix it in with like biking or walking or jogging because you want to practice it under some fatigue that is super low skill. Right. And then step five is like, okay, now we'll actually do it in a workout. And the reason why people get so mad is because they come in on day one, kind of like the military and they go handstands. That's pretty neat. I'm going to do that in this workout. That's 20 minutes for as many reps as possible. And you get like three and you see whoever 
Susie in the corner cranking on the movement that you assumed you could just do day one. Yeah. All right, so super compensation, skill acquisition kind of makes sense. How do we feel about templates in general? Like, are they a necessary evil of the fitness industry? Would you ever give someone a template? How do you like, yeah, like tell me a little bit about the positives of templates. If you um, they're mostly free. And if they're not free, they're pretty inexpensive. Like you can, I don't know of many template offerings that are more than like 30 or $40 a month in the grand scheme of things that's not very expensive, especially if you don't have to pay a facility fee. Like we're talking a very low level buy-in. We're talking like, what's that? A meal or two of buy-in for an entire month worth of exercise training, like super relatively low buy-in. A lot of them are free, like I said. So that's a pro. Um, if you can auto-regulate like you did, if you can have some sort of form check if you can have someone who's realistically like coaching you in any sort of aspect that knows what they're talking about, then you could be okay. The problem is there's just too many variables. Yeah. Although, I mean, like as you and I think about our, like the Concordia training systems, like the question comes up, like, would you ever be interested in offering people the ability to purchase a template? And there's definitely the business interest of like, it's going to be, very scalable and like not everyone wants to be a client but everyone more more people would be willing to toss one or two meals worth at you to check out what a template of yours looks like is it is there any sort of benefit for this person or is it kind of a cash grab um no there's both you can certainly like we said if if there was a situation where you could assess technique and if someone was able to field questions that's a game changer. So you'll see a lot of these decent template offerings that are paid. They have a person who answers questions. So if you're like, what percentage should this thing realistically be? Or like, I'm feeling kind of run down. Could I drop this by 10%? Like having someone to field questions like that makes a big difference. And then the form check thing is huge. Like would have been huge for you with your power lifts um, massively. And then for someone like me, like I shouldn't have followed a super total program necessarily because i wanted ultimately to be stronger in crossfit so i should have done something more crossfitty it feels like aside from i think a big reason why a lot of companies do offer templates like why are they so prevalent is maybe where we should take this conversation it's like aside from being financially rewarding the organization giving you or like selling you the template yeah one, it feels like it's an interesting way to expose you to their training philosophy. Like what kind of movements do they like? Everyone kind of has like a pet movement. I noticed when you started training me, there were a lot of movements that you seem to glom onto and other coaches I'm sure have their own versions. And I guess the other is it's like, <clears throat> it, you don't have, as a company selling a template, you don't have the responsibility of making sure someone uses it properly. You definitely can use a template more properly especially if like one does have a peaking element to it and you want to get ready for your powerlifting meet, like then having some unsustainable templates, not so bad. It might even be really helpful to have something that aggressively peaks you. Yeah, for sure. And everything has its own purpose and there are plenty of templates that are totally fine. I really do believe that they're okay. I'm not going to say that they're optimal 
because they're they're designed for technically anybody who met, meets like certain prereqs to be able to do. Yeah. Um, and they're not going to necessarily address certain people's weaknesses as much. The real check and balance has to be like those form checks and auto regulation in some sense. The people who have had the most success on them, in my experience, are the people who are okay at tuning in with themselves. But, you know, I'm not really feeling it today. I'll hit yeah. this at 70% and be like, that's it. I move some dirt. doesn't have to be a game changing day. It does sound like you're describing kind of, and I agree with this. Like I've had some experience with group classes, both CrossFit and not. That is kind of like, you basically, <clears throat> they're typically in the same sort of price range, probably more than a template, but you're getting that access to, well, often a facility too, but then there's the person there who's going to be like, mm, please don't injure yourself doing that movement that way. Yeah, like you're moving weird or you just came in here and told me how hard work was. Let's throttle down. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay, well, what else is there to say about templates and super, super compensation that we haven't? Not too much. I think we covered a lot of ground and my main thing for people at this time of year is when the open wraps up, don't pick the one thing you're feel like you're the weakest at and just only do that if you're a crossfitter you have to maintain your other stuff you can make it a high priority but understand that all you really need to do is move the needle slightly and get a little tiny bit better and maintain your other stuff yeah there's that again after the crossfit people will be feeling either elated or slightly bitter about something holding them back and they're going to want to hit it hard assuming they're cut from that cloth of looking at their weaknesses candidly. Mm. And yeah, I, I mean, hmm. yeah, I'm having a brain fart. It's okay. Everyone needs an off season. So everyone needs time to back off, whether you're super compensating and peaking or not, you need some time where you do slightly less total volume. And if you're doing a sport based on intensity, keep the intensity up, just decrease your total volume. If you're doing a sport that's squat bench deadlift, keep doing your squat bench deadlift, but don't go crazy. And it's okay to take two days, three days, five days off. Cause something about intermediate level exercisers is that you'd never take off time until you're forced to. And that's not exactly how it works. Um, but we can talk deloading another time. Cause I think that's important too. All right, so I'm, I'm hearing as an athlete, if you notice you've got some things to shore up, don't confuse peaking that deficiency for long-term sustainable permanent change. Yep, that was perfect. I think we finally, we got there. We're on the same page. <laughs> it, it took us a bit. <laughs> All right, wrap it up. Game over. <laughs> cool. All right, well, thanks everyone for tuning in. Catch you on the next one.